again today to uh, pick up where we left off. We were talk we've been talking about the sufficiency of Scripture, and specifically as in regards to to give it another word, uh, a word that's used by a lot of people like myself, but HVG theology, hearing the voice of God theology, which is very prevalent even in a lot of Reformed churches. You know, they might not realize that's what it is. And it basically focuses on uh, methods and practices and expectations to hear the word of, hear God speak to you today. Whether it, it's in fact audibly, and most of them will say that that doesn't happen, but the extremists do, but it always starts out with with think, expect, being taught to expect it. <clears throat> you know that uh, God speaks to us today in uh, whispers, nudgings, impressions, dreams, uh, visions, things like that, which, as we'll see as we look through some, even though they use some scripture all out of context to try to verify what they're teaching, the real honest ones will say, you can't find it in scripture. Because what they say, there's no actual, there's not even one biblical example of it. Except when you talk about dreams or visions, those are very few. They're very direct. They're very clear. And they had very profound reasons. You know, like, and the reason I mean to that, I don't mean, I'm not coming against, a, you know, that, for instance, someone uh, stopped me last week, well, not last week, three weeks ago now, after the teaching, and told me about there was a time when he was younger, his mom shared with him, and she was going around the house doing her thing one day, and she had a strong impression to pray for her husband, you know, to pray for their dad. And so she did. And then she found out later at that time he had just been involved in an accident. So what do you attribute that to? God sovereign in our lives, God working, I, I, I don't know what to call about that, except that is not what they're teaching. A couple things about that, and I've experienced that. We probably can all talk about things like that, or, or a feeling, or I like the word, I was talking to another brother about it earlier, an unction. But I can't exegete it. I can't explain it. I can't know for a fact that was or was not God because unbelievers talk about things like the same thing. Mormons do, Jehovah's Witnesses do, uh, Muslims do. You know, they have things like that too. But when we know, I'll just say one thing. Go to Proverbs chapter 3. You know, God does work providentially in his people's lives, and in all people's lives, right? I mean, he controls everything. But in Proverbs 3, verse 5 and 6, starting in verse 5, Trust in the Lord with all thy heart, and lean not unto thy own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy paths. How does he direct thy paths? I would call that an example of directing our paths, but I can't fully explain it. But I would say this, 
those people writing those inundating the Christian churches with books and teachings about how to approach God, how to how to hear his voice, how, how you can, you know, really be get very intimate with it, is language I like using. To expect things like that. Can't find it in scripture. It's antithetical to scripture. And it's come Scripture teaches the exact opposite. He speaks to us in his word. He's spoken. He has spoken. He speaks today through his word. The Holy Spirit illuminates that word to his people. And through that, you know, I mean, we have the Holy Spirit, right? And through his word, right, he, he directs us. He sanctifies us. He directs us. And to go with that, right, but they'll say things like, for instance, you ever heard anything practicing his presence? breathing prayers, etc. They'll teach things like this. That is unbiblical. They'll teach you to uh, put your mind, you know, completely empty your mind of thought by maybe uh, saying a phrase of a song over and over and over and over again or saying a word over and over and over again. They'll Christianize it. They'll say even say the name Jesus over and over and over and over again. It's the same thing that they teach, and this is the truth. To put you under hypnosis. They'll tell you, you go out in the world, you go to a psychiatrist or psychologist's office, and they do things like that. And it'll help get you under hypnosis, and it'll help you be open to suggestion. That's not the way God works. You know, we need to be, we need to be careful of that. How do they call that the Kondalini spirit over in the Middle East? Uh, yeah. <laughs> you know, and that's what I'm coming against. I'm not saying that. You know, we, we could be going and we get a strong impression. If you call somebody, someone comes on our heart, we get a strong impression to pray for somebody. Uh, we maybe get a strong impression. We're even driving on the road. Uh, turn this way and we get an impression. It could just God working in our lives. But there's nothing, there's nothing in the Bible at all that teaches you that you should expect God, you know, God work, working in you that way. Just that he directs our lives, but we can rest in him, trust in him, trust in his word, trust that he's with us at all times, he'll never leave us, and that, you know, whatever we do when we compare it to our word, when we're living out his word, and reading and studying his word, and praying, and seeking counsel on things, that he'll direct our paths, and we can, ex we can know that we're living pleasingly unto him, you know, I mean, <laughs> if we're being obedient, and then, therefore, we can expect his blessing in our lives through that. You know, I'll just go over some. You know, like 2 Timothy 3, 16 and 17, right? Teaches us, right, that the word itself, right, instructs us in all things. It'll correct us, right? Reprove us, you know, give us understanding. That we be adequate. And that word is solely misrepresented nowadays. Adequate. Like, well, it's enough. But there could be more. No, that just means fully. Complete. Completeness. It's all he needs. And I'll just say this. I'm going to wait to the end. But I have, I just got to say this quote that I, I found by Charles Spurgeon. And I disagree with this so much I had to read it. But I'll just read it word for word. It's it just so good. I have little confidence in those persons who speak of having direct revelation from the Lord as though he appeared otherwise than by and through the gospel. 
His word is so full, so perfect, that for God to make any fresh revelation to you or me is quite needless. To do so would be to put a dishonor upon the perfection of that word. Amen. So we just got to be very careful, right? He tells us in his word, we look at it, read Psalm 19, you know, 6 through 9. Right? It's everything. Right? It teaches us. It's, it's all true. Right? It's so powerful. Read Psalm 119 through it. Through everything, even through the affliction. How was, how was he healed? How did he come to hate every false way? How was he wiser, you know, than others? And all those things, it was through meditating upon his word. The more fully he comprehended the word of God, the more complete he was. And the better off he was. And that's what the word teaches us. Right? I, I was... Uh, I was reading, when I was studying this out, I should say reading and watching, and, and that, I'll put you a, a few verses that pretty much sums up what I'd say is where this teaching leads to. And this, this is just a sample that you'll find in one, word it one way or another, this is pretty much what these people teach. Keep in mind, they're teaching you to expect God speaking to you. Whether it's in a still small whisper, but that you should expect it, you can cultivate it and learn it, and and without having it, right, you're not really maturing and having a really intimate relationship with God. A person named Sandstorm says this: to be the recipient of prophetic revelation from God, whether in dreams, impressions, trances, visions, or words of knowledge and words of wisdom, can be nothing short of euphoric. The experience brings feelings of nearness to God and a heightness of sense of spiritual intimacy that isn't often the case with other of the charismata. So what he's specifically talking about is revelatory gifts, right? All those things that in some way refers to revelatory, right? God today coming into your life and outside of scripture, speaking to you, moving you, showing you what to do in your life, showing you what job, whatever it is, right? And without having that, the other gifts, right, they just don't bring that to you. Like, for instance, the gift of teaching, you know, of, you know, even, even the, the gifts of mercy, the gifts of helps, all the gifts that are mentioned in Scripture, you know, these are, right? I mean, it doesn't bring that. I'll tell you what, you know, for it just meaning where it can really bring you to heights of joy, Essence, right? I, I get that at times. Actually, just reading and thinking of his word. Even singing praises to his name. I, I just, I, I take this as just being a feeling. It's a feeling. You can't execute a feeling. But it's just a feeling. But when he, when he talks about these things, it, that's contrary to the word of God. I'll give you an, uh, another one, too, by a man named Henry Blackaby, which... Him and a man named Richard Foster, and men named, like Richard Foster and Dallas Willard, yep. are probably the three men most responsible for bringing this stuff into what would be before, starting in really in the 90s, bringing this into before that conservative churches, talking all this mysticism stuff too, you know, try to seek out God and hear from Him today, outside of Scripture. Here's what Henry Blackaby says, and I quote, 
If you have trouble hearing God speak, you are in trouble at the very heart of your Christian experience. The reason that's chilling to me is because what do you do to some dear brother or sister who's maybe, you know, doesn't come to, you know, come to a church, maybe hasn't been, you know, like for my first few years of my walk and that, really hasn't come under real good sound teaching and that, might think that if they're not experiencing this type of thing, right, there's something wrong with them. Bible doesn't say that. You know, I won't go there, but look, look throughout Scripture in that. And many times, you read throughout Scripture, to, when they had their Jerusalem council, what did they do? They discussed the matter. And then after coming to a conclusion, they wrote the letter, right? It seemed best to us. It seems to us. Right? You read about even going on the gospel journeys, except for a few exceptions, you know, where the Holy Spirit intervened, and uh, led them a different way, right? It seemed best to me. It seemed best to us. They made a decision. They made their decision based upon, right? Based upon the Word of God, right? And, and checking those things with the revealed will of God and knowledge of God. They just tested those things out, and then they came to their conclusion. But, you know, there's, there's nothing that they're saying, well, we went and then we waited, and, you know, it seemed like the Lord said. And you'll find this language throughout their books, throughout their teachings, watch their videos. It's, right, I have this feeling that God told me, or I feel like God told me. Okay, I want us to uh, take, a, take a look, and let's just look at some scripture in that. Mike, would you please go to Genesis 15, verse 1. And Dean, if you would look at Jeremiah 1. 14, and then Shar, Ezekiel 16, 1, Bev, 1 Kings 21, 17, and then I'll read Acts 13, 2. And I just want us to get a flavor of keeping in mind before reading these that the way they teach what they what they say is what? Ezekiel what? I'm sorry. 16, verse 1. That when they say, right, it seems to me, or like if someone ever comes up, they'll, they'll tell you like, well, it seems like God spoke to me. Because remember, they'll, they'll try to say at the same time that God's speaking today, whatever it is. But that's not the same as when he spoke in Scripture, right? So it's not, right, it's not authoritative, it's not on the same par with Scripture, but, and we can interpret it greatly. So it seems to me... I feel like God's telling me, or you could be speaking to yourself. Maybe you're trying to make a decision. Well, it seems to me God's maybe leading me this way. Or let's just see, is that the kind of, is that biblical language anywhere in Scripture? Well, let's uh, let's check it out. Uh, Mike, would you read Genesis 15 1, please? Genesis 15 1. After these things, the word of the Lord came unto Abram in a vision, saying, Fear not, Abram. I am thy shield, thy seed, uh, great God. Yep. The word of the Lord came, and then it was very clear, very clear, right? Uh, if you agree, Jeremiah 1, 14. Then the Lord said unto me, Out of the north an evil shall break forth upon all the inhabitants of the land. Then the Lord said unto me, Lord said unto me, and then what he said, very clear. 
Shar, if you would read Ezekiel 16, 1. Again, the word of the Lord came to me, saying. Again, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, and then we're going to bump. It's what he said. And we're told in scripture, just like in each place, what he said. They understood what it said and they wrote it down. Because that was for all of us. Later, we recorded on that so we could all gain from it. And Bev, please. First uh, Kings 21, 17. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah the Tishbite, saying. Saying. And then go on read. Tells us exactly what he said. And then, and then just a place, there's, other, there's a lot of places like that, but Acts 13, verse 2, As they ministered to the Lord and fasted, the Holy Ghost said, Separate me Barnabas and Saul for the work whereunto I have called them. Okay. Words and phrases like, It seems to me the Lord's telling me. It seems to me the Lord wants me to go. It seems to me the Lord's leading me this way said no one in scripture ever. Can't find it. You can't find it anywhere. So we just got to be careful when, when, when they say things like that. Again, understand this. I'm not saying that. We, for instance, dreams. They even try to teach you how to interpret dreams. It's not biblical. Maybe, you know, <laughs> this is no doubt you have dreams, but I'll guarantee you, what did I just read? You can't exegete a dream. I mean, I guess you could try, but there is no way you can know, know for a fact that A, was God speaking to you and what he's saying to you in the dream. Unless you had some of the gift of dream interpretation, which I would say is, you know, another gift. That, it, you know, not mention one, except... In scripture, we talked about that was in an interpretation. You know, the Lord just showed him a man of Macedonia and that saying, you know, come go minister unto him. And they, and they took that as being from the Holy Ghost. But, for instance, just one that somebody, there's somebody about that, right? They had a dream in that, and there was a large basket. And they interpreted that as there was prosperity coming. Might be from the Lord. Might mean there's prosperity coming. Also, I would say this, though. Our minds take in everything and work everything out, right? Now, if I'm reading the scripture and being sanctified by scripture and my thoughts are being directed by scripture, I would know that the Lord promises to take care of me at all times. He tells me when I'm being obedient, when I'm being giving in that, to just rest in him. I'll have all things that I need. He tells me I have all things I need for life and godliness. He tells me I have all my physical needs met. So, but, you know, is that the Lord speaking directly to you? And I always, I always tell people, I tell me that, maybe. They're just, you can't know. You can't know. But I can know what this word says. And it, this word says that the Holy, it promises the Holy Spirit to illuminate to me. It promises that it'll change me from the inside out, put the new man on. It promises me that I'm saved, forgiven. Right? I've been washed. It promises me, and I know that on the day of judgment, I am safe against it. Right? It promises me he'll never leave me nor forsake me. He, you know, he promises me that even if I do make a mistake, right, he's still going to work it out for good. You know, that's things I can know. 
I can't know something outside of scripture. I need to do this. I, I, yeah. I've heard a couple of people complain, you know, well, God told me to do this, and then later if something went wrong, then they can blame God. But, they don't have well, to exactly. take responsibility. And, and God told them, you see, and that's why, how do you know? But did, and most of them will admit this. Yes, you're telling me you audibly, audibly heard God speak to you. God appeared before you like He did on the on on the road to Damascus to Paul and told you certain things. Well, no. What the? Well, I had a real strong impression. That's about all, all the strongest thing they can say. Now there are some who do say, oh, <laughs> "Jesus calling is a good example." I'll tell you that's rank heresy right there. And the thing is here, I'm not going to attack these people like uh, Sam Storm. Charles Stanley's a bad one on this too. He doesn't go to an extreme as others, but still that door's open there. You should expect direct revelation in one form or another today. And I'll tell you, everything I've ever read about that, and being in the Word of Faith with myself, and following some of these things, I'll guarantee what it what it does, I'd warn you against this, and I'm not alone on this, and people I very well respect would tell you the same would tell you the same thing. If we're seeking the supernatural, if we're speaks, if we're seeking, seeking to get into God's presence, what we're doing is we're seeking to go into the spiritual realm. We're forbidden to do so. Outside of I mean natural prayer. You know, when we just go, Lord, I you know pray for you know Bev or I pray for Dina, right? But what I'm talking about is these kind of teachings that they teach. You can open yourself up to demonic suggestion. Because there is a spiritual realm out there. And it tells us we, we're just use this word against it because we're knowing what it is. We'll know the truth. The truth will set us free. That's what that means. We'll know this, right? And then we'll be safe from the deceiver. You know, we just have to be really careful with this. And that's why it's so hard on my heart because of sufficiency of scripture. Right? We can say that some of these people that do it would not openly, they don't even think. They're denying the sufficiency of Scripture. But in practice, it does. Because why would you need a special audience with the Lord that's not available to anyone else? Or not available to certain people, just you. And you have to learn it. If you learn it outside of Scripture. You're not taught in how to learn it from Scripture. They teach you how. Where did they learn it? You'd be amazed to hear what some things say they've learned some of the things from. But Dean, you have something? No, Mike. Oh, okay, my. Uh, th this is a classic example of uh, one of the reasons I'm a dispensationalist. One of them is that uh, you do have to read, number one, context is everything. The dispensation of time, which is happening, is, 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 is plays into that role. And the third thing is you don't insert yourself. You're not Daniel. You're not Elijah. You're not these men in the Bible, okay? And, and we have examples of that. We have examples of God. Again, I saw it in a vision, Abram. That's in a dispensation of time where God did that, okay? And, uh, and, and in the end, like we were talking this morning, even, mm -hmm. you know, 1 John does speak, 1 John 2 does speak of an unction. That's something the Holy Spirit mm -hmm. of God gives to us. Mm -hmm. I, was, I used the example of a friend of mine, Glenn Schmidt. I haven't talked to him in many, many moons. But not too long ago, the Lord kept putting him on my mind. And, and I actually texted him. I said, Glenn, I'm praying for you. I, I don't know why I, I am, but I just I feel like I have this function to pray for you. And he said, well, I don't know either. But and, you know, and later you find out there was stuff going on that was specific in his life and in his family's life. Now, that wasn't God coming and speaking to me audibly, but it was the Spirit of God working through his word saying, 
brother that keeps coming to my mind. And so, again, it's context, it's dispensation, it's the teaching, it's we have the word of God now that's combined. I mean, that's all completed. And so all that plays into there. And when you eliminate all that, then you can say, I'm Daniel, or I'm this, or I had this, or I had that. But if you're, if you're biblical and you stick to the biblical principles that keeps you and I in line concerning these things, then, again, you're not going to wander into that stuff very far. Yeah. Another well-known well known man, and actually I can't remember his name, but it's kind of meaningless because it's right along the lines with what all these people teach. You know, you, 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 literally all their books you can get this to and read any one of them, and that's where it all is. Some of them are more extreme, but it all starts out with the same premise. You know, same teaching, some kind of teaching how you can approach God and expect to hear from God that the Bible doesn't teach. And the amazing thing, this thing became really popular in, in, in churches and that. It started to, in the 70s, but the conservative churches didn't accept it. So it really came back in the 90s, like with books like Spiritual Disciplines. And then Henry Blackaby's book, whatever he calls it, Experiencing God, or whatever title he has on it. But... It teaches those kind of things, and it opened this. It opened this door, you know. And now there's all kinds of things like that. Practicing His presence, which just don't do breath prayers. All these things—they're so unbiblical. They're so unbiblical in that to empty your mind when that says the opposite. You shall know—that's with our minds—know the truth, and the truth will set you free, right from all line. But there's knowledge, right? Knowledge, and through knowledge we gain wisdom, right? Through knowledge we get understanding. But through knowledge, yeah, Dean. I was just gonna say that maybe it'll take me a minute here to explain it, but um, you know, a person has to wonder how to handle some of these things today, such as like say someone comes in our church and says they're speaking in tongues or they're receiving visions and so forth. Obviously, we would kind of almost every time know this is this isn't real, this isn't legitimate, and we we try to help them out by giving like the teaching that you are. Like what you're teaching us right now, uh, but here's just it's an example. I don't know if this is if this really happened or if this is a if there's lies in the historical account, right? So there's the revivals that took place in Scotland on the Hebrides Islands. The Hebrides revival was called in the early 1900s, and there was a couple widows in the church there, and the preacher is well known. His name left me now, but they were faithful members, godly women. They would pray for hours, and one of them said that she had a vision of the church being filled up with young people. Mm -hmm. And she said there was a preacher in the pulpit that it didn't recognize. And she went to her elders, and they took it seriously just because they understood her. And later on, when they had a guest preacher come, the, the name that left me, the, the church filled up with young people, and there was a huge revival amongst young people. And then one of the ladies said that they saw a vision, I think it was eight young men converted or something like that, mm -hmm. and at that meeting that night, there was eight young men in the back praying with converters. So you have these stories. Now, I don't know if that story is true, but what I see is, is that the elders took it seriously, or her elders, whichever one, took it seriously just because of who they were. And so our authority doesn't come from that story, right, from history. It has to come from the word. So sometimes when I, you know, Scripture says, despise not prophetic utterances, and don't forbid speaking in tongues. I think for the most part, we don't see that anymore today. Or maybe we don't even at all, you know. But I guess what I think is, if there was a godly person in the church who was a faithful church member, we knew their character, and they showed a pattern of consistency for a long time, 
I guess if they came to the elders and said, this happened to me, I think instead of just saying that won't happen today, I think the elders should examine the situation and see is this legitimate or is this something that have they got into some faulty teaching here? Um, in my opinion, I think that might be a more biblical way to handle it. Would the elders ever have to do that? Probably not, because that might not even happen anymore today. But it seems to me that it's something to consider. Well, I'll say that a couple points to that. I don't know what to think of those stories either. In that, you know, I know most of the, most of the stories that I know of that were among most things have been debunked. A lot of the stories about the charismatic revivals and that almost all, so many of those have been debunked. You know, like Smith Wigglesworth one time writing on there that uh, sick baby and that to cure it, God told him to smash it against the wall and then to kick it like a soccer ball and it got healed. Right? I, we know a lady that one time, influenced by Smith Wigglesworth's books, went to a mortuary to try to raise a man from the dead who had already been, uh, what's that word, filled with? Oh, and nothing happened. Except she looked completely ridiculous. You know, when we say peculiar people, that isn't it. But I'll tell you what, if we're going around on that, I hear about all that stuff, I've never seen anything like it. And being in the Word of Faith movement for several years, I never saw anything either. Let's keep that in mind. Also, a couple of those things. Speaking in tongues, if someone says it, okay, where's an interpreter of tongues? Because every example in the, in the Bible about tongue interpretation, man, it was a known language given to somebody, right, who never practiced it, right? Just, right, it was supernatural. But it was a known language in the world. And it was always spreading truth or praising God. It wasn't about, God told me you're supposed to be a missionary and go wherever. That's just an example. You hear stuff like that all the time. How can, and if someone does come up and tell you that, how can you possibly know? And if somebody came up to me and said, well, I have this, I have this uh, strong, I saw a vision that this is going to happen. Well, okay, we'll just put it on the back burner. If that happens, praise God. <laughs> you know, it, the thing is, right, because we got to be so so careful with that because you'll find like those those great supernatural gifts occurring, but the implication of it, except for being mentioned a few times in the last twenty years of Scripture, you say in Revelation, you don't see any teaching about that. All the teaching is about right, study the Word of God, pray, you know, be in fellowship, be obedient, be all that right and. And none of that. So I think you got to be very careful about it. You know, and, and remember, in the trances and the visions that people had, it was very, very significant every time in Scripture. It was a significant event. Moses, the burning bush, was that just some insignificant thing? I mean, I hate to say it, sometimes burst our bubbles, but, you know, telling me what job to go get is rather insignificant. Compared to leading an entire nation, being God's spokesman for an entire, for him, to a wicked leader, a whole nation, and to help deliver his other people out, you know, carrying about his covenant promises, big thing, big thing, you know. Can I say something too, Howard? Yeah, okay. yeah. You know, when you think about it, so like the Dean, the, what you were talking about there, there were some very clear specifics 
generally today what you hear is, you, watch, you know, how many times have we watched this stuff, and, and somebody will run up on the stage and say, God told me somebody's got a sore back. Yeah. Somebody yeah. here's got a sore back. Yeah. I got a sore back. Yeah. You probably have a sore back. My, my back's always sore. <laughs> that's generally what you hear. It's very general. It's not very specific. And then when it does get specific, it's usually so outlandish and unbiblical that, and, and then, as we said, then we, we look at it, we, we, we analyze it and go, uh, did that happen? Like you said it was going to happen. Was it, did it have some of these specifics in it? Because I, I, I still do believe that, that the Lord can, if he wants to, um, down in Micronesia or someplace like that, some place where the word of God needs to be preached, he can still have a man of God speak that language without give, having any formal training. And I believe that is a, a gift of God alone that he gives. But that's not the norm. I was going to say, whether that story is true or not, it, it yeah. was far removed from word of faith, charismatic context, you know, we're yeah. talking any reform context where none yeah. of that stuff was ever done, you know, so yeah. I just wanted to put that out there, but, and many reformers too, I guess, would agree with what I'm saying is that, while we don't see a lot of the apostolic gifts, I don't see it anywhere in scripture where it says that certain of the gifts have ceased. I think it says they will cease in the eternal state. So I think we're in a period of history, where I just talk about dispensationalism, where you don't see those things happening. But I wouldn't deny that they ever legitimately, possibly could happen somewhere. I don't see that in scripture. You know, but what you're, I agree with everything you're saying. I agree with everything you're saying. I'm just saying that I wouldn't push it to where I would say impossible will never happen. I'm not saying you were saying that. You, you know. Yeah, no. I, I will say this. Yeah, God can do what he wants. I just say this. Beyond hearing stories. And being in the word of faith. So I will use a little experience. And testing out these things. Yeah. Many of these teachings. It always led to trouble in my life. Eventually. Not health. Not maturity. Not edification. But health. I mean, it's like... But God secures his own, right? And God uses that today, which he promises in his word. But, I would say this, he can, he can do what he wants, you know. He, he could, I mean, you know, he, he could raise someone from the dead today. The thing is, it's amazing, after all this technology we have today, and all these stories we hear, that not one person has a, has a video recording of any of it. Not one thing. Of a miraculous healing. I've yet to see someone walk on water. That'd be something. I've yet to see someone make food appear supernaturally and feed 4,000. <laughs> I just haven't seen it. But the thing is, the point is, and I don't want to get so much on guests because that, that isn't the thing a, a normal Reformed person and a Bible believer is going to fall for. It's more the utterances. It's teaching like experience the presence of God and everything, and that's not true. Or this teaching, as I was about to say before I kind of got on the gifts thing, but where he said, you know, without having this intimate relationship with God, if not for that, you know, experiencing his presence, then my life would have been full of boredom. So what he's saying is, you know, just being an ordinary Christian, the way this word teaches us to be and how we are to be, is boring. You know, just sitting here reading the Word of God and thinking on it is boring, right? You need to literally hear Him and feel Him close to you 
now are to be born. <clears throat> Jeremiah 23, 29. Is not my word like a fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer which shatters a rock? Doesn't sound too boring to me. And it's not. And I, I can experientially also in that, and we, we do know that. Our, our faith is not completely blind, but we do start with the assumption that God exists, God saves us, has saved us through His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and this Word is literally His Word. But not only that, He illuminates it for us. But go to Hebrews 1 on talking what you were talking about, Mike, earlier. Hebrews 1, 1 and 2. God, who at sundry times and in divers manners, right, various manners, right, spake in time past unto the fathers by the prophets, has in these last days, which, you know, started, you know, after the resurrection, right? After the coming of Jesus, Jesus' ministry, right? Spoken on, spoken, past tense, has spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by him also made the worlds. So now he has spoken unto his Son. So people will say, well, no, well, it's his Son directing us. It's the Holy Spirit directing us now in the present and everything with new revelation and new appearing before us. No, he, past tense, has spoken. Go to the book of John. We'll close with this. And more to come. I just want people, you know, to, to think on to think on these things. Uh, go to uh, John 16. <clears throat> Wait, uh, I'm sorry. John. Okay, John 14. Verse, starting in verse 25. John 14, starting in verse 25. Our Lord himself speaking. These things have I spoken unto you. Speaking to his disciples, right? Being yet present with you. But the Comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. Now, that is not a promise for every believer for every age. That was a promise to his disciples that stood with them, that walked with them, that he taught personally, personally, while he was here on earth. Then, after he rose and he sent the Holy Ghost, the Holy Ghost illuminated these men and gave back to them and explained everything to them that they wrote down to us in their Gospels, in the Gospels, and in the Epistles, Right? And the other things that were disciples of them, a few of them, right? You know, Jude for one, you know what? And now we know, so we know what he told them. And what Paul, and right, what he was showing Paul. That you know that and they wasn't speaking directly to Paul, but he did the same thing with Paul. He's showing them. The Holy Ghost taught them, right? They wrote down everything we need to know. And it's written down in this word. And from the Old Testament and the New Testament combined, right, you know, we have the illumination to know God. Because that's what it also tells us in His Word, right? To know Him and whom He sent. And this is eternal life, right? And that His Word is truth. And His Word sanctifies us, illuminates us, strengthens us, right? It, it cuts to the quick, right? It's alive and powerful, sharp than any two-edged sword, right? It speaks today. It literally speaks to us, you know, and I like an old saying, uh, and we will finish with this, right? If you want to hear God speak audibly, read your word aloud.
because it is to every one of his people, but to every one of us all also individually. Just because he's speaking to everyone doesn't mean we can apply it, but he's also personally speaking to me. He speaks to each one of us individually and corporately, but it is to us personally. And that's a trick they try to get, right? You have the intimate, so, something he'll say to you that he's not sharing with anybody else. And God doesn't promise that anywhere in his word. And that isn't the examples we see throughout scripture. He speaks to us. So just being an ordinary Christian is truly an extraordinary thing, right? To study his word, fellowship, pray, and when it comes to decisions and him working the everyday things in our lives, when we have those decisions, pray for wisdom, seek godly counsel, yep. right? There's safety in a multitude of counselors. Everything about, you know, needing, needing to feel, at least feel, that God spoke to you and say is and is saying maybe to do this or that. You just can't be sure. You can be sure of this word and, you know, seek godly counsel and pray. Uh, with that, just think of those things because we'll be talking this again next week and that, but you know, think on these things through the week. You know, think on these things. You know, hey, you know if you got comments or, or questions on that, and we'll cover that at the, you know, at the start of next week. But with that, Mike, would you please close us in a word of prayer? I will. Father, we thank you again for the word of God this morning. We thank you that it is a compass, if you will. And the Lord, it keeps us upright. unto the end. We pray these things all